Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Huddle. I'm your host, Eric McNeil. And today joining us, we have Jonathan Jones, an awe-inspiring journey from undrafted underdog to Super Bowl champion, visionary, entrepreneur, and compassionate philanthropist. Born on September 20th and 93 in Carleton, Georgia, John's uh, passion for sports ignited at an early age. Dominating in football and track and field at Carleton High School, he earned multiple state titles and accolades, including the Georgia Gatorade Track Athlete of the Year Award. Transitioning to college, Jones excelled as a four-year starting cornerback at Auburn University, earning all SEC honors and a bachelor's degree in business administration. In 2016, Jones defied the odds by joining the New England Patriots as an undrafted free agent. And Super Bowl uh, L3, which one's L3 again? (laughs) Wait. Uh, uh, 53. 53, Super Bowl 53. He made a lasting impact leading the team in tackles and contributing to their victory. Off the field, Jones founded the Jonathan Jones Next Step Foundation in 2019 dedicated to empowering youth through education, professional development, and mentorship. His commitment to both sports and community epitomizes resilience, triumph, and heartfelt generosity. Please welcome Jonathan Jones, our special guest today. Thank you so much, John, for hopping on, bro. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Appreciate you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that is a, a, a heartfelt bio. That has so many swings in momentum, like... Highs, lows, Gatorade Athlete of the Year, undrafted, Super Bowl champ. Like, bro, talk to us, man. Is that that normal, like the life that you kind of led and grew up? Like, are you used to that? Is this anything new to you? Uh, Man, I'll say this. It's a journey, you know, and it's been a journey uh, since the beginning. Um, And so coming coming from Carrollton, small town, and to see where I've made it, you know, all the things that I've gone through, the highs, the lows, you know, I just really attribute that, you know, to the journey. And, you know, just how I was raised, you know, my parents and the things they instilled in me, you know, I've just I've just tried to keep those principles throughout my life. Yeah, totally, man. Um, so talk to us, John. We want to know who are you? What's your story, bro? I mean, we yeah, we got a little bit of the bio, but I really want to know what what in your life kind of molded you to kind of be who you are today? Tell us, man. Like, what? Tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your story? Man, I grew up, like I said, small towns, Carrollton. Um, you know, not not a lot going on, a little small town. Uh, I think, you know, I always take it back to my roots. You know, anytime people get to talk about me, you know, it's an opportunity to talk about, you know, my parents and my family, you know, my village um, of Carrollton and my community. Uh, both of my parents were kind of like yin and yang for me. My dad was that discipline, you know, and my mom was, you know, that visionary, that focus, that, you know, great balance that I needed, you know, between the both of them. And so just, you know, growing up in those things and they allowed me to play sports. You know, that was a big part for me. Uh, I was a kid that loved sports, loved to be out, loved to be outside. Uh, I started playing football when I was about four. Uh, I had to beg my mom, you know, for the opportunity to play. I was begging, I was begging. Um, we found a little team that would let me play, you know, when I started at four. So from there, uh, just that yin and yang balance of my dad pushing me, you know, with the discipline, and, you know, my mom just being very focused on education. That kind of gave me my, you know, two pillars of, of life, just, you know, how I work, you know, through sports and, you know, adversity and things like that. Um, but then also just understanding the educational and having a bigger picture of things, you know, just kind of that big combination. I love that, man. That's, that's, that's beautiful stuff. And, uh, 
And you've carried that, like you said, kind of throughout your career, right? You've been in the league a little bit now. Um, and one thing that we talk a lot about on this podcast is obviously we're trying to find kind of the relation between professional sports, entrepreneurship and life, right? Like, and you're doing a lot of things off the field as well. So people listening, like what, what things are you interested in off the field? Like, what are you doing in the off seasons? What are you doing, you know, after a game, whether it's a win or a loss, like, actually, I want to know the answer to both of those. Like, how do you kind of recalibrate after a game? What do your off seasons look like? Like, what are those kind of things? Perfect. I mean, when I came in the league, um, I was undrafted. Uh, and the crazy thing is we went to three Super Bowls straight, yeah. you know, so we're finishing mid February and we're right back in April. So, for about three years, I had about six weeks of, a, of, a, of an off season, <laughs> and that that was about all. You know, Coach Coach Belichick used to say this thing um, throughout the season. He would say, um, "Whatever you're dealing with, you know, kind of put it in a drawer. Let's you know, let's lock in, uh, and you can deal with it in the off season." And you know, I took that to heart. You know, I kind of anything that wasn't football wasn't related to football. You know, during those months. I blocked it off, you know, and I focused on football. And that was, you know, that was a good and a bad thing, I think. You know, um, from a from a football, it, it worked out. You know, it was yeah. perfect. You know, my attention, my career took off. Everything um, everything was, was great um, on that aspect. But then on a the personal life, you know, it's kind of hard to, to cram, you know, months into, into six weeks of, of personal life. Yeah. So just, just dealing with that for my first three years, being a young guy in the league, dealing with all that adversity, you know, undrafted, uncertainty. Uh, I got into about my second contract. You know, I was able to resign to New England to my second contract, and that kind of gave me, uh, I know, a little bit more stability of, you know, of my future. And then my off seasons, you know, kind of got a little bit longer. Uh, you know, not make the Super Bowl, <laughs> not making the Super it's Bowl. Bittersweet. You know, yeah, yeah. Off season got a little longer. So I mean, honestly, I was just, I was a lot of the time to just, you know, deconstruct some of those things that I put in the drawer for years and years and years. Um, and eventually to become, you know, the things and the person, you know, off the field that I'm able to become, you know, whether that was my foundation, getting the opportunity to start my foundation, you know, being impactful uh, with the youth, you know, this past offseason, you know, I picked up aviation, got my pilot's license. So just kind of branching off away from football, you know, in that time that I have in the off season uh, and create more of a better balance, you know, like you said, throughout the season. So, you know, doing more things, you know, in the community and taking business calls on Tuesdays, you know, Monday afternoons, you know, when you're away from, you know, work and have a little bit of downtime. So, you know, just, you know, maturing as a player, you know, growing up and, and understanding that there's, you know, more to, more to things outside of, uh, outside of football. Totally. And so it's interesting that you talk about kind of like, packing those things away. Um, Cause that, that can mean a lot, you know, depending on the, on the, on the athlete, right. If you're young, you, you're single, you know, you don't have a lot, you don't have any dependents. It's just you, it's just go, go, go. And then on the flip, you got other guys who, you know, you got families, you got kids, you know, and like you have dependents. So like, bro, it, it, what, what does that look like? Honestly, like you come in and they, you're just told to kind of pack things up. And like you said, it worked. Yeah. But like something's got to give, right? Like if yeah. you could go back and like, would you do things again the same way? Would you try to find a better balance knowing what you know now? Um, Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think hindsight, you know, being 2020, there's definitely had to have been a better balance. But um, I just, the pressure that you're on, you know, coming in undrafted, yeah. you, know, you walk in every day in that building, just making sure your key card works. You're like, all right, do I have a job today? Like, it, it's, it's really it's really one of those moments, you know, every single day. There's no certainty. 
you don't, you know, undraft, you don't have, you didn't have a signing bonus that, you know, really, you know, put any money in your account. And so you, every day you're just grinding, you're grinding. Yeah. And, and I say this outside looking in, you know, everyone's like, you know, oh, he's in the NFL, you know, he's made it. They assume you know, he's got millions of dollars yeah. and, you know, he ain't got time for us, or, you know, X, Y, and Z, but you know, really you're just, you're, you're put in a new environment. You know, I came from the South, um, from Georgia, I went to Auburn, so my life had always been in the South. And, you know, they ship you off, you know, not, not in a negative you know, connotation, but you, you move off, you move away from your family. Uh, I'm brought into the New England area, which is, you know, very different, you know, from the, from the South and from Georgia. And so adapting to that, you know, there's no family around. There's no one to really relate to. You know, no one you know can just hop on a flight and have money to just, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to come in and see you every day or come see you once a week. You know, it's just, just having that disconnect from family. So when you speak of family, that was, that was a hard part for me to adjust, you know, coming in as a young player, um, just not having your family there. You know, my parents were, you know, at every game that I had in college because you know, it's an hour and a half drive you know, from, from my hometown. So just not, you know, not having that family dynamic around and that support, you know, that was a, you know, that was a big part of me and something, you know, having to deal with those things that you put in the drawer, you know, people calling you back home, like, Hey, I got this going on. And you're like, I wish I could hop on a flight. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wish I could just come back and help, or, you know, do more, be there. But, you know, you kind of had to put that in a drawer. What I chose to do is put that in a drawer, you know, kind of deal with it in the off season. Man, that's so tough too, because I, and I get this from, from speaking with you and your team, man, like you are in a, an infectious energy. Like I could tell you have a lot of love for the people around you and your circle and, uh, and it's admirable. And so you got to think how you mentioned, you know, you got people who might have a struggle and you're kind of like, bro, like I'm in season, like, I'm sorry. You know, we have to kind of like put this on the backboard and that's hard, man. You know, like, and I think it's similar when, I think, especially with this environment of like COVID, right? If you start thinking of like a professional in the household where we stopped going to the office to work, we actually had to work from home and not to where we had had to put it off for months on end, but it's like, because I'm in the house, you know, your wife sees you, your children see you, they think you're home, but it's like, I'm not home. Like I have to work. I have to focus or like we lose everything, right? Like, would you say that that's kind of similar in that regard? Yeah, I mean, completely. It's it's just that the term, you know, compartmentalizing and just you know being away, being where you are, and trying to be present. Um, you know, you're the you're the best at what you do when you can give your attention to it. You know, wh- whatever that is. So that's why you know when I get home from work, you know, I kind of get away from the phone for a while and kind of shut down and block off the world and and spend that time you know with my family because um, you know I have to be focused, I have to be present. You know, there's always other things going on, and that's that. You know, everyone deals with that balance between work and family and you know everything that you got going on. So just trying to find that balance. So I definitely look back and say, as a younger player, um, I definitely could have improved. You know, my balance and my work life balance. Yeah. And it's actually funny you say that there's one thing that somebody taught me early on because I would, when I started like as an entrepreneur, it's really hard to turn it off. Right. Like I didn't have work hours. Like I would just like, when my clients need me, I was available. Right. And someone taught me cause I was like, bro, I don't know how to find the balance of work and life. And he was like, because there isn't, you need to find work-life integration. Like once you can find a way to, bring your your life and your profession into like unison you'll find yeah. ways you'll find time for everything right and it's like when you try to separate the two that's what makes it hard but if you have family that's bought into your career you have friends that understand what you're doing and that respect is mutual 
you're going to find a lot of common ground and ways to like make the time for what's important. Yeah. And that, that, that's it too. And just developing, I mean, that transition, that transition is so, is so pivotal between, you know, being, being, um, as a kid, just growing up and you go to high school, you go to college, you know, those years right there are just so pivotal, you know, and, and moving on, starting a career, 24, 23, you know, 22 year old guys. And so that's just, a, just looking back as a pivotal moment, you know, in your development. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. You mentioned a little bit um, talking about like um, what these off seasons look like. And there's a lot of guys that I work with that are inside of the first three years in the league. There's a number of them that go undrafted, right? And so I'm curious to know what does what does that look like? Like when you you said you left Georgia, right? You're going up to, to Boston or New England, and you don't have like the family or the support. You also don't have great paycheck coming in. <laughs> like at first, you know, and it's tough. Like people think you made it to the league, you got all this money, and it's like, bro, like this season hasn't started yet. I don't have any guaranteed money. I can get cut tomorrow and we're done, right? Like, yeah. what what is that off? Like, what do those off seasons look like? Like, you're trying to make something of yourself, but you also have to be mindful of like the financial side. Like, there's a lot of guys listening to this that are in a similar position. Like, what are what are some things that you could speak to them to help uh, make the most of that time? Oh, I'm gonna say this, and it might not be a popular opinion, but um, understanding that sometimes being selfish is okay. And not not always selfish with your money, selfish with your time, and selfish with what you choose to to, to kind of give to. So um, a, a lot of people, you always have people pulling you in different directions. You know, everyone does. And I think you know when you have this platform and you're on TV on Sundays, and people have these expectations, and you know, really honestly, they don't understand what that life looks like. You know, what I mean, to us, it's a job. To them, it's you know, you're in the NFL. You know, and so just having that understanding that you're going to get pulled from so many different directions, but uh, being okay with being selfish, you know, with your time and your money and the things that you do, you know, give to. And that's, you know, that, that's always the best way. I feel like you can't, you can't be the best person you need to be um, to other people if you're not that person to yourself first. So just, you know, making sure that you're okay. So you can be a light, you know, to everyone else is around you. And I would say from the financial part of it, you know, I was a business major. So mm-hmm. um, my biggest fear coming in was like, I can't go broke. Like you said, there's no guaranteed money. So each week, you know, you may get a, you know, a nice lump sum that, you know, coming from where I'm from, it's a lot of money. You know, as an undrafted yeah. rookie, you might get a, a two week paycheck that's, you know, 17,000. And so, you know, you, that sounds like, oh my God, that's the most money I ever had. But knowing that, well, if they cut me next week, you know, I just signed this year lease, yeah. you know, that's, you know, 20, 2,300 bucks a month that I'm on this year lease. And so like, you know, what else I'm going to do? So it's like those things that go into the people, you know, that just not realizing that, you know, there's not really another job that I can say, well, hey, let me go, you know, apply for this other job or, you know, do this once you sign that lease. So it's kind of, it's, it's a lot that goes into it that, you know, a lot of people don't really, I think, think about. Man, that's. That's deep, bro. And, that, and that's what's so hard is like, obviously, you know, my background's in, in wealth management and like trying to have these conversations with guys like that in the early stage. It's like, look, like, yes, that's, that's, you know, it's good money. But like what we want to see long term, like, bro, that's, it's not like, I understand it's a lot from what you're used to, but like you just said, like you get cut, you, you barely, that two weeks might cover the lease. No groceries, yeah. no gas, no <laughs> <laughs> nothing. nothing. You got a roof, right? That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's well, it, well, you talked about like taking even like your business meetings, right? Like on Tuesdays during the season, yeah. the off season, you make the time. 
how important early on in your career was it setting aside time to meet with business professionals and opportunities? It was, it was pivotal, I say, for my development to start doing things at a, at a younger age. I would say I started, you know, year four, year four. Um, and really, honestly, the, the career in the NFL is typically, you know, three and a half yeah. years. And so there, there's a gray area there. You know, some guys are able to come in and balance it, you know, because, you know, they're only in the league for two or three years and they do a great job at networking. And so they build those relationships. So, you know, I always advocate for guys to go as early as you can, you know, to, to kind of do more things outside of football and take those meetings and take those calls. And um, because you're, you're at that moment, you know, you have entry, you have a platform into so many different rooms and so many buildings that, you know, it's, it's, on, it's honestly, honestly a finite amount of time that you're going to be an NFL active player. So just taking advantage of that. And to look at some of the older guys, you know, I kind of patterned my career after some of the guys who had been here before uh, Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung, those are my veterans. And so even my foundation, the the leeching on aspect of mentorship, like I got there and they were in year eight and I was like, well, I want to be here that long, whatever it takes, whatever those guys are doing, those are the things I'm going to do. You know, I look up, Devin just retired year 13, you know, I'm going into year eight. And so just buying in and, and finding somebody that, hey, I want what he has out of life and I'm just going to, you know, rinse and repeat and do those same things. I love that. And then. I got a lot, a lot of love and respect for both of those guys you just mentioned. So that's super cool you you think of them. You said that there's some stuff you got to take, rinse, and repeat. People listening, what does it take? What does it take to have an eight- or 13-year career? My dedication and, and some consistency. You know, start to have some consistency in your structure and your schedule um, and building that out. You know, I personally – during the off season, I take the same approach that we have, you know, for our off season workouts and, you know, uh, when I'm away from here. So I usually do my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday day off to do my personal things and get things, you know, done. And then Thursday, Friday back to work. So just kind of building that structure, you know, of a structure week, you know, throughout, you know, your calendar. And that's been big for me is just having that structure, you know, usually as athletes, we're used to someone saying, hey, meetings start at eight, practice is at 10, you know. And by the time you, you they let go of you and you're on your own time, it's five o'clock in the afternoon and you kind of go home, you know, grab some food, hang out for a second. You know, ne- you know, next day is the same thing. So having that off season time where no one's telling you, hey, do here, be here, do this at this time, creating that structure for yourself um, is very pivotal, yeah. very pivotal. I think that's what sets people apart, right? Is like even, you know, for myself and others, like where I said earlier, I don't really have like a, a fixed schedule, right? I, I own my own businesses. <laughs> And I'm like, I, we're just talking about, I was going to like a real estate deal. And now I'm going to be flying out. Like, I want to go golfing with you guys, you know, here in a month or two, right? Like, there's like, I'll yeah. be all over the place, but it's like, bro, if I don't have, like, I call it like kind of like my winning morning and like every 15 minutes, for like the first four hours is just like, here are the things that I have to do. Right. And like, it just yep. gets the yeah. tone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That 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 kind of sounds like that selfishness that I was talking about earlier. You got to have that moment for you, and then you get to reach out to to us and connect with us and help other people. But once you kind of filled your own tank up, you know, and kind of poured into yourself, then you can go out, you know, and help others. So definitely, definitely.
Exactly. No, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I, I love to talk about this uh, simply because, like I said, being a business major, you, you sit in classes in college and you hear, you know, culture is one of the you know hardest things to change in the organization when you're having a buyout or whatever it is, whatever it may be. And so getting to come to New England, I, it's not just a good football team or winning, you know, football program. Like it is a good organization. Like it is a good business organization, how they carry themselves. You know, that culture that you talk about, it's a top down culture you can start you know at the top with our owner you know mr craft and the things that he does and how he is you know on a day in a day out and you know that goes down you know from coach belichick and from when i was there the older guys when i you know first got here tom brady devin mccourty the captain's doing the same exact thing and that just keeps the culture you know and when somebody comes in they have to they have to kind of blend into the culture you just stick out you know what i mean like if you if you don't if you don't participate you you kind of stick out, you know. Yeah, you, you yeah, and, and you genuinely you can see those guys, and you know, sitting back being here for a few years, you get to see the guys come in and some of the veterans, and you'll be like, oh man, that guy was, you know, he acted this, you know, way when he was with this team. And then you watch them come in, and they just blend in with the culture, just because, like I said, it's just so overwhelming, and you know, the expectations are already set, you know, and so just that culture that's already there, you know, it, it's built in. Oh. Definitely. I think I think it starts from the top. You know, like I said, when you hold yourself accountable, you know, you'll see in a lot of you know Coach Belichick's interviews, he's always said, Hey, that starts with me. That was my fault. You know, he's he's one of those guys that's willing to take the blame to say, you know, that was me. You know, even if it hadn't been him his mistake, maybe it was a coordinator, maybe it was a player that made a mistake. He's the first leader to say, hey, well, if they did it wrong, it's probably somewhere. It's, it's on me. It's, it's head in control. Either I didn't coach him well enough. I didn't teach, you know, and he always takes that responsibility. And so when you're in charge, you know, being willing to say, hey, yeah, it's easy to point the blame and say, well, this guy messed up. Well, if I'm in charge. It was my job to make sure he knew, you know, just because he messed up, it was it was on me. And so just taking that responsibility and also um, allowing the people that you put into positions to do their job. You know, you you empower them to be in a space, you know, allow them to do to do their job and trust in them that they will. Yeah. Yes.
Yeah. 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 That's it. Somebody else? Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. And then just to add to your truths, just knowing that, hey, it was the safety's fault. And I hate it. You'll see it on TV all the time. You'll see a cornerback jumping up and down, pointing at the safety like you were supposed to be there. And it's like, I don't I don't respect that. You know what I mean? I don't respect that. That's not how, you know. And so everyone at home's like, oh, well, I guess the safety was supposed to be there because, you know, he's yelling at the safety. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, bro, that's your brother, man. That's your guy. That's your teammate. You don't sell, you don't sell out your teammate. Hey, you messed up. or I messed up. We can get back to the sideline. We can talk about it and we can go from there. But. Man, I, I don't. I see guys do that every Sunday, where they you know jump up and down and they point fingers, and it's like in business and a teammate in a relationship, it does me no good to sit there and point fingers. Yeah, well, it's your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> nah, nah, not at all. Yeah. 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 Yep. 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 That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And like I said, you it's always a time and a place and correct because like I said, you, everyone's out there has made mistakes. You know, everyone, you know, in a business, in a running, everyone makes mistakes. That's a part of life. But I think it's how you address that mistakes. They're inevitable. You know, I'm from the country, so we raised on sayings and country sayings. And they say, and they say when you're born, there's two things you can guarantee. And that's, that's death and taxes and problems, three things and problems. So you're going to have problems. I don't care who you are, where you're from. You're going to have problems in life and business and football. And it's how you address those problems and what decisions you make to move forward. That's, that's really going to be, you know, indicator of your success. Okay, there we go. All right, and the recording picked back up. Okay, sorry if we lost you for a little bit. Back in. Okay, so I love I love all that that we were just chatting about, bro. And uh, there's problems that you just can't avoid. 
you have to pick them up as they come in. You have to keep rolling. Um, Cool. So moving on with that, you, there's one thing that I want to touch on that was actually super impressive. And that is the, you were an Alan page finalist, man. Like talk to us about what goes into that. And for the people who don't understand what that is, this is an award annually that recognizes one player who goes above and beyond to perform community service in his hometown and team city. What, what does that mean to you being a finalist for that award and what kind of goes into it to, for you to be even nominated? Yeah. Uh, first of all, um, like I said, I'm always going to give credit to others. This is my team. You know, I have, I have an awesome team around me that, um, they take in the things that I want to do and they hear my visions and my plans and the things that I want to do and they bring them to fruition for me and with me. Um, and then second off, I'm a product, you know, of, of donations and time and an investment. You know, I come from that, you know, and so I made it to this platform. I got here and I'm able to be um, bring that full circle. You know, I'm, I'm that guy that gets to give back and help, you know, help the youth and help people, you know, along in their journey. Um, and so it's, it's impossible not to when you've been helped. You know, the easiest thing for you to do is turn around and help someone else. And so I've been blessed, you know, blessed to play the game that I love, you know, make a lot of money. Um, but, you know, for me, it's no more joy than helping someone else succeed, you know. And so my ultimate goal is to hear the kids that I help out, you know, come back five, ten years later and say, hey, I am where I am, you know, because of you. Um, quick example, you look at, I think it's Deshaun Washington and, and Ward Dunn. You know, Ward Dunn used to build single family homes, single, you know, single mom's homes you know in Atlanta area and he you know he built the home for Deshaun Watson and his his mom and just to see him become full circle and it's like you never know who you're going to impact and you know what you're going to do and so you know always giving back for me um was 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 important that's so big man I and I I really admire that honestly I'm just like you're in a position where these people like whether you like it or not they idolize you they're so proud of you they're so proud that you're from their hometown and for you to recognize an opportunity to help them. I mean, that's, that's so big. So what are, what are ways that you, that you were able to give back to your community? Like how, how do you like to serve your community? I started that with originally, you know, it was the typical, whatever, you know, football player does. And I was a football camp, you know, so I was like, Oh, I put on my first football camp and kind of got the youth inside it. You know, that was kind of my avenue to success uh, to an extent was football. And, and then from there, it just grew. Um, I was able to build it out and kind of there was so much more, kind of like when I started from the beginning of education. My mom was a stickler for education. So that was something I knew was important. So it was like, you know, let me help kids that don't see that, you know, hopefully I can switch on that light to help them understand, you know, how important education is and mentorship. So all of the things that I personally felt, you know, added to my success, you know, being able to go back and help, you know, people in those different avenues where it's the STEM labs, building out some STEM labs in schools um, and just, you know, food drives and just whatever way uh, you can help, you know, people, you know, that's what the next step is all about. You know, and I cleverly yeah. named it the next step because, you know, you say it so often when you're speaking, oh, the next step is to do this. And the next step, you know, is to do that. And so if you can help someone take their next step, you know, that, that's all, you know, that's all someone needs. Yeah. And, and so when you're talking about this, like, what do you want people to know that, about the Next Step Foundation? And 
what do you want them to feel when they think about it? Oh, just just to understand that, you know, we want to give back to kids and empower them. Um, and the kids are the future. You know, you've heard that, you know, cliche over and over, but it, it hasn't changed since the dawn of time. You know, the, the next generation is the future. And so helping them see further than we, you know, we have and things like that um, and getting them at a young age. And, you know, a lot of people have problems that they're going through, whether it's financial or time or lack of resources, you know, from different places. You know, it might be a kid that loves computers or they don't have a computer lab at their school or, you know, they're, they're just not, you know, they don't have access to it. And so helping those kids gain access to different things, um, it does nothing but just adds to their life and, and gives value to the things that they want to do. I love it, man. And, I, and that's really important to have all these things because they're, they are important things. And it's funny you talk about education because, um, a member of your team, kind of like the reason we, you know, we we're able to get a lot of this done and coordinating her big emphasis is education. Right. And, uh, we were actually chatting about you this morning and she, and, and I hope it's okay. Yeah. She's just like, man, of, of, you know, the clients and the people I work with, right. I see them as like students, you know, and John is one of those guys. He's a sharp kid. He's a good <laughs> student. Like I want to challenge him. Yeah. And I see that man. And I see that, you want to educate, you know, the next generation. I think yeah. it's just so beautiful to see kind of full circle. Like you guys were drawn to each other. Right. And like, yeah. that's her emphasis. That's now your emphasis. And who knows, yeah. you're going to reach someone who they want to educate down the line. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I think it's just, you know, super beautiful. Um, you talked about, Ken, you got started with camps and stuff. So what made you want to even start next step? Like the foundation itself, like what prompted that to like, bring it into fruition? Um, like I said, growing up, you know, I ran track. We had a local track program uh, that I was able to run in and we would go to different meets um, kind of get to showcase your talent. Uh, and there was a guy named Dave Knight. He kind of invested. He went out, you know, rounded up donations for most of us. You know, we weren't going to the track meets if we didn't, you know, we didn't have the money. And so he rounded up, you know, donations and allowed us to go to um, different places. And so those track meets for me is what, you know, I always look back at those were pivotal moments, you know, to get outside of my hometown and my environment, to see other places, to see things, you know, being tangible. And so with the with football, it was bringing football players, some of my teammates, you know, me, myself in front of little kids and, and realizing like that's tangible. You know, it's not just something you see on TV. It's not just something, you know, that, you know, you see on the Internet, on YouTube, like this guy's a real person. You know, it, it, there he is right there in front of you. Um, and so just making it tangible. And that was my first thought with the campus, get guys, you know, from to my hometown to let these kids know that, you know, there isn't no Superman out there. Like you, you have the ability to be, you know, one of those guys as well. Beautiful, man. How, how long do you kind of foresee this going on? And like, you know, where, how do you, like, what do you, what are your plans with it, man? Like, where do you see this thing going? Oh, man. With today's time and just growing it, just continue to grow and probably have multiple camps, you know, just getting kids, you know, access. It's, it's a little different than when I grew up. You know, I think I feel like kids are at our fingertips, you know, as athletes. And it was like, I wish I could have sent, you know, some of my, I wish Marshall Falk would have got 20 DMs for me. <laughs> like if growing up, we had that access, you know, to, to athletes that we kind of idolized growing up that, that the kids have now. So um just just that in itself just to be you know accessible to to the youth that's big yep accessibility gosh i was saying i thought we had access to this stuff <laughs> in my day bro come on like night and day would have made such a difference um yeah. no that's super cool so 
now kind of transition a little bit off the field, right? You just said that yeah. you became a pilot. Uh, you've shared with me, you know, you want to get into like more speaking and like furthering, you know, your yeah. brand and getting your voice out. Like, tell us about that, man. What got you into becoming a pilot? Why do you want to do that? Like, why do you want to share your story? Like, talk to us a little off the field. Perfect. I, um, well, my story, I was talking about that. Like, it's, it's matter of fact, no, I won't. I'm going to start with the pilot because then we'll get into the story that makes sense already. But yeah, with the pilot, with the pilot, it was just you know challenging. Like I said, those off seasons that I was just having six six weeks to kind of get things done and do things, I wasn't challenging myself and who I was and you know growing as a person. You know, like I said, on the field it was perfect. Like I was winning Super Bowls and playing, and you know I got an extension. So like the personal the personal balance was 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 losing. I was lacking in my in my personal life. And so I just began to challenge myself and to become the person that, you know, my parents had pushed me to be and not kind of put that to the side just because, you know, I made it to the NFL. Um, that's not going to last, you know, forever, like everyone knows. And so just kind of challenging myself, you know, year after year, you know, what else can I get into? And then so I grew up around motors. You know, my dad, you know, he was a mechanic. My grandfather was a mechanic. And so I just kind of always, by default, grew up, you know, around motors. So I've, you know, jet skis I've done, four-wheelers, motorcycles, dirt bikes. If, if it if it had cylinders in it, I was on it. But I came across aviation, and that was, it was a fun challenge. You know, it, I feel like it challenged every aspect of me, you know, from a you know, personal fear, hand-out coordination, like the, the, the athlete in you, you still get that. Um, the education form of learning, going back to things you learn in high school from like aerodynamics and different things like that. So it's just all encompassing of like the things that I enjoy to do. Like aviation brought that out of me and it was a new challenge. And I kind of, um, I put my head to it and, and I grinded it out and, and it was easy. That's so cool, man. <laughs> I, I'd be terrified like of my first flight on my own. Like, hey. oh, I don't know, dude. Like I know it, someone said that like, it's only like a hundred hours, 150 hours or something like that. And then you're off on your own. And it's like, yeah. the best way to learn is to go, like, figure it out. Like, to go do it. To go do it. Yeah. And so, so my, like, my instructor used to ask me, like, before my father, he's like, are you nervous? And I was like, I was wanting to be nervous. Like, I was like, no. And not to try to be macho or anything. He was like, are you nervous? And I was like, no, not really. Uh, I was like, I was more nervous, you know, on fourth down in the Super Bowl. Like, you know, with, with 80,000 people yelling at me, there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no one yelling at me. There's no, like... And so that that circumstances that I've been in before, it just made it so much easier. Like I, I wanted to be nervous. He's like, man, I was so nervous. I was like, you know, hey, I've I've put in the work. Kind of that same thing you do in sports. I put in the work through all throughout the week, and I've I practiced. And so it's game day. You know, everything everything else doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, well, they say if you're prepared, you won't fear, right? And so yeah. if you go through and you take all the steps, you know, you you know what you're about. At that point, yeah. it's just confidence, you know? So that's it. I love that's it. it. Um, and then now speaking, right? Like, what is it that, like, why do you want to become a speaker? Why do you feel that your story needs to be heard by other people? Oh, man. I say this to everyone because I feel like everyone has a story. And I know it's just cliche, but everyone has a story. And if I don't help but one person, uh, if I don't help but one person, then I've, then I've done, you know, a good job. And, you know, going back to people always saying a leader, what is a leader, a leader? And, I, and I'll say, if you look back and there's one person following you, keep going because you're a leader at that point. Keep going like you, yeah. because you're a leader. You have someone that's like looking behind, looking ahead 
and they're they're following you and what you do. Yeah. And so with my story, you know, there's a lot of guys that, you know, come from the country and come from, you know, similar stories. And so just being a, able to be vulnerable and express, you know, some of the things that I've gone through and just recently being able to um, be vulnerable more in my own personal life and the things that, you know, I've dealt with and, and I've gone through, you know, a lot of guys are in the league and they have, you know, off the field problems that, you know, relationship problems and these things, but no one talks about those things. And so just being in the place I am, I figured, why not be vulnerable? Why don't I give, you know, give the world me and, and speak. And so hopefully it'll help one person, if not, you know, help multiple, but at least one person. Right. And so if you have all these different people that you can potentially impact, who would you say, are you able to kind of narrow down who who's your story for? Like, do you have like a story that is specific to an individual that is at a certain place in life? I, I think um, not to not to be funny. I think I've been in so many different environments that um, it's it's hard to, it's hard to say my story isn't for for everyone to an extent of like you know I I was going up in class and to kind of quick go through my story and a little bit from this aspect. Um, in the South, it was kind of, you know, small town, kind of, I don't call it racist, segregated, you know, call it what you want. Um, and so in the class during the day for honors classes and all the, you know, accelerated classes, it will be nothing but smart, rich, white kids. And that's not the environment I came from, but <laughs> like everything else, you have to learn to adapt, you know, so I could relate, you know, I, I began to have, you know, common commonalities and, and, and being there. But at the same time, I got my friends and the people who I play football with and, and, and those guys that I can relate to them as well because we have, you know, similar similar streets. So it's so much that my environments that I've been in just because of my situations and the things that I've done, that it's hard to, for me not to find someone and, and I can relate to. And I sit down, um, my lady's always saying, well, you talk to everyone. And I was like, well, once I sit down, I can, pre I can pretty much yeah, relate. Yeah, we can figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, if we're not talking about business, aviation, football, yeah. life, that is so much that I encompassed to just, I, we're going to relate, you know, at some point, you know, we'll we're going to cross something. something to have a commonality. Yeah. You'll always find something. I, I totally agree with that. Um, one thing that I know that this is, and it sounds like it's, you know, close to you and important for you. And we do have a lot of listeners that kind of fall into that category to where you kind of mentioned, right? Like the schools you went to weren't exactly like, you know, that wasn't your environment, right? That you had to find ways to find commonality. And so can you take a moment to speak to these young men, right? That are not in that same situation that they feel a little bit uncomfortable. They feel like they might have to blend in, right? Because again, for me, it's like, this is like a personal thing, right? And so I want to make sure that all young men, all young women have an opportunity to hear like they're an individual. They don't have to be a chameleon all the time, right? Yeah. Like, can you talk about that individuality and yeah, you were probably uncomfortable a couple of times, but like, how did you have to remember who you are? Um, you, you keep that with you, like who you are and your principles, those, those don't change. And I think the more you can always keep those with you, um, I'll kind of argue with you a little bit about the chameleon, you know, in my philosophy, I feel like, you know, that's, that's what you have to do to, to wherever you are is learn, learn to blend in, not dim your light to blend in. But, you know, if I'm going to a different country, it's, it's best if I learn their language, if I yes. learn their customs, if I learn their cultures, mm -hmm. let me blend in so then I can, you know, be a part and I can kind of relate. Um, and and I, I think that, you know, not being standoffish and saying, well, we don't do things like that. I'm, I'm not used to doing that. 
go and be vulnerable. Like I said, I, I fly now as a pilot. I don't I don't know last time you fly and you seen a black pilot. It's not a lot, you know, it's not it's not a lot of black pilots. So yeah. you know, when I step off into airports and FBOs, like I mean, I might stay there for a couple of hours and I'm the only black person, you know, in that FBO. Um, and it's, it's being comfortable, being comfortable in who you are and where you come from and keeping those principles. And, and like I said, just having conversations with people and meeting people because you'll start to realize that, you know, like I said, at some point you'll find something that you can relate to, you know, just because maybe a skin color difference or, you know, a language barrier or something like y'all will relate at some point, there'll be something, some commonality in your life. I love that. Yeah. And we, uh, a lot of people know this about me. So I, I actually uh, served a mission for my church in South America. So I lived for two years in Chile. And yeah. so not a lot of white people <laughs> and, and, and no <laughs> English, right? You're a gringo a lot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And while I was there, bro, like I'll tell you, like my, my goal was not to learn Spanish quickly to, to communicate, bro. My goal was to be Chilean. That was my goal. Like I even, I tried to not just learn Spanish words and terms. I try to learn the Chilean like slang, right? Like I try to like <laughs> learn their foods, learn their interests and like learn everything as much as I could, even to my accent. Like I would yeah. just sit and listen and I didn't want to say things in a regular Spanish accent. I wanted to yeah. sound Chilean. I wanted to live and yeah. breathe their culture. And when you start to do these things, simply out of love like you want to connect like bro we're, we're human we we need to connect right and when you go like with that sense of like i want to understand you i have love for you as a person that's where you can find a lot of common ground right and like even yeah. like, you know you're a pilot you're meeting with people your that's wife it. says like how do you connect with that guy it doesn't matter he's another human yeah. i respect him exactly. we will find something to chat about uh, completely and that and that comes down to being vulnerable you know, kind of like you said, being being willing to open up to somebody or something that's different um, and, and not staying in your comfort zone, getting outside, you know, of your comfort zone and challenging yourself. So, you know, to guys and the people who are listening, just get outside your comfort zone. And, and like the common saying is get comfortable being uncomfortable. Just literally challenge yourself and to do things that, you know, that you're not good at or you're not used to doing and, and do those things. And that, that's that's self that's self growth and self development. That's it right there, right? Is the growth and development. So there's something that, that I learned. I'm so happy that I learned these things younger. And that's why I love sharing them because I hope someone young can like hear these things and like use to scale. So when you talk about discomfort, it's all that's where all the growth happens, right? Because yeah. you have to think back to caveman days. Like it's it's fight or flight, live or die. Like that's it. And so for an entrepreneur, like you're going to go quit your job to start something you're passionate about, even though you know you're good, something's going to say, don't do it. Like you're going to fail. You'll probably die. You're going to run out of money. Like yeah. it's going to try to convince you to be comfortable in what it mm -hmm. knows. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you tell yourself, I don't care, like I'm going to figure it out. It's going to hurt your head. Your brain's going to start working, but then it's going to say, okay, guys, this dude's not quitting. We have to find out a way to survive. Plain yeah. and simple, right? And so all of the growth happens when you are uncomfortable. A hundred percent. That's it. And I mean, in history, nothing changes, you know, in comfort. You know, you know, you have to be willing to get get outside of, you know, that comfort zone and saying, you know, I, I'm I'm not comfortable here and I'm okay with it. You know, that, yeah. that's big. Yep. 
Well, man, this is uh, this has been such an awesome podcast interview. Like I've I've really really enjoyed connecting with you, finding co- these commonalities and things for you know our listeners. And and I do want to be respectful of your time. I know I blocked you off for an hour, and so I want to give these last few minutes to you. I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to the listener. This isn't about me. This is for the young men and women listening, the athletes that are listening, the agents, right? You have a lot of people who are hanging on and they want to hear your final word. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to direct your time and attention to them and leave your last thoughts and, and bits of advice. Man. Oh man. That's, that's an open floor, open, open-ended. Oh man. That's so much to talk about. You know, I, I, I could sit here for hours and keep and keep going, honestly. Um, but just confidence. You know, we, we kind of circled everything up from confidence to, you know, believing in yourself or whatever you want to do, um, you can do it, you know, and so stay, stay consistent and, you know, don't give up, you know, like that, all the cliche things, learn to take those cliches and apply them. Like, you know, that is your, that is your, uh, that is your goal is to take those simple things that we know and apply it, you know, and, and, and be, just be a sponge, you know, take them as many information from as many people and as much as you can learn, just be a sponge and everything. You know, if you're an agent, you know, learn from other agents. If you're a player, learn from other players, um, be vulnerable, you know, to walk into the locker room and say, I can remember walking up, you know, to Patrick, like, Hey, you were here for eight years. Like my locker is right next to yours. Like whatever you do, like I'm doing it. Oh, you, you getting in the cold tub. Just, just, man, just mimic someone. I want everyone to have whatever level of success that they want to have. Um, and whatever they deem as success to go for it and, and don't let someone else on the outside, you know, dictate what your version of success is. You know, to you, success might be, hey, I make, you know, my, I make my $50,000, $60,000 and I get to spend time with my family and this and I get to go rock climbing on Saturdays. And if you say, hey, that is a successful week for me, that's success. Um, you know, social media it has kind of it's been a blessing and a curse for us in a lot of ways. But just run your own race, you know, in life and everything that you do, you know, take your journey because everyone's journey is different. You know, my story is unique to them from any other guy that's in that locker room as, you know, as theirs is to mine. So just, you know, embrace who you are uh, and continue to grow. Challenge yourself day in and day out. Um, and I hope that anything that I said, you can look back and say, hey, Jonathan Jones said this, like, and it got me through, you know, this, this, this portion of my life. I love that. Yeah. I, and I, I personally think that there's a lot of things that you've said today that I'll be able to carry out with me. And it's so cool, man, the the level of discipline that you have, the way you speak, I, I just know that the things you say are matter of fact, right? Like you, there's a job to be done and you do it. And I think for anybody listening to operate at a high level and to be a high caliber individual, it's discipline, right? That's all it is. But Jonathan, brother, thank you so much, man. This was an amazing, amazing time. Uh, what's the best way for people to stay up with you? How can they follow along? Oh, man, you can catch me, Just J. Jones, on Instagram, Twitter, um, nextstepfoundation.org for the foundation. Um, and we're just continuing to grow. And this is just the beginning. And we're just getting started, baby. Yes, sir. I appreciate yeah, it. All right, man. Well, thank you for your time. You have a good rest of your day.